the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Chinetti. It is Monday, October 30th. We are about 24 hours away from the NFL trade deadline, which got a lot, I don't know, more confusing, maybe juicier, maybe not as juicy in some cases. I think there's some stock up, stock, stock down situations to get to. I generally don't go that route on this pod. I try to keep it as much numbers based as possible, but it is that time of year. And we're just about at the halfway point of the NFL season. So I've got Dan Soman here with me to sort of keep this thing afloat. Dan, I don't want to get too much into the X's and O's. Um, but again, like I said, not really, you know, it's kind of out of, out of character for what I do on here. But I want to I want to bounce around the league. Um, maybe more so in the with the bubble teams, because those are generally the teams that at least have some discussion at this trade deadline. You know, we're going to have Kansas City buy something. Philadelphia is going to buy something. Buffalo is going to buy something. We know that um, because any of those teams at the top need one or two pieces to get the push. But it's more so, it's not even buyer seller for me because I think most of the teams we're going to talk about are going to do both, if anything. But let's, let's try to take this out maybe with an 18-month window. Right. So when I'm thinking Tennessee, which is like the obvious team right now, who could who could sell four pieces right now, did sell one to Philadelphia already and Kevin Byard. Doesn't sound like they're gonna move any of their weapons and Henry and Hopkins and things like that. But I, I, I'm less concerned about Tennessee as a wild card contender this year. And I want your thoughts on who are the twenty twenty four Titans? Is it Will Levis's team? And how does that change what they should do in the next 24 hours? Because I, I do think that is the right question to be asking for a lot of these GMs, right? That the Titans aren't thinking about the Super Bowl right now, and nor should they be, you know? So they've got to be thinking much more intelligently than that. If you're the GM of the Titans and you can't get AJ Brown back, I have to mention that by the way. What what are you? What are where is your head right now with this Titans process? And I understand that we just had 40 minutes of Goodwill Levis, but it's pretty freaking important. <laughs> He's going to be back on Thursday night, so it's after the deadline. But if he looks even a semblance of what he did Sunday, I think that things become clear about where this is heading in 2024. So is it a Band-Aid ripoff with a lot of the veterans, even though they've got some defensive contracts? Is it, we're just going to give Will Levis this team and build around him and see what we have? And other, or, or is there a plan C that you're thinking about with this team? Or do you think that they believe they can win this division right now? <clears throat> well, that's a good question, considering that they are sort of a wild card front office. Um, they make- right. They do this. Don't you feel like we've talked about them in this context every single season? Yes, but this really feels like the time they do have to kind of take a half step back and. Mm-hmm. retool if you will they have a bunch of expiring veterans now let, let me just like kind of get back to the original point i guess that I, I think will levis will get enough run this year for them to have a pretty clear picture mm. of how they want to proceed if not then they probably at minimum give him next year because they're not, I don't see them being in position for one of these top quarterbacks. Do you, I mean, I know there's a number of guys that could theoretically be there, but um, they always do enough as a team to not be way at the bottom. So at some point they kind of have to look at that to their detriment, right? I mean, Will Levis was number 33 overall, you know, he wasn't the top quarterback in that draft. That's to their detriment that they always, I think, push when they should be pulling a little bit, maybe. Is this one of those situations where you think they should be pushing a bullet? I I guess I don't know. Uh, it's it's tough. It's it's a tough question. I they seem to me like a front office that always thinks they're in it, wants to go for it. Mike Rabel's a coach. I don't really ever see him going through like any kind of full rebuild. So, um, it, I I think the the I think the worry is that he gets next year and it's like a Daniel Jones situation, not contractually, but where you've seen, you've seen too much to move on to a different option. um, And you're again, next year, you're not at the bottom of the draft in position to get a quarterback in 20, you know, in 2025, if you will. Um, So 
I mean, to me, to me, to just bluntly answer your question, I think they need to kind of rebuild here and do that by getting, you know, moving on from Derrick Henry, other, other veterans that they could move on from this, you know, at the trade deadline and just kind of use next year as like a purgatory season, if you will. I know, I know this is the NFL and typically that doesn't really happen, but I, I don't really know any other way to kind of, for them to retool. Like it, it like is Traylon Burks a miss at this point? Like we don't know that for sure, but it, it's trending towards like the guy you shipped out, uh, you know, a, an elite superstar, AJ Brown, you know, it, it just hasn't worked out. It, really, I don't know what they do, but I think they need to kind of reverse a little bit here. Here's what I think is a positive for them. I think there's a team in the league right now that is them in 2024. I think it's the Packers. I think what they're getting themselves into, if if I'm reading the tea leaves properly, which is they're not going to trade Henry. They're not going to trade Hopkins. They're going to keep the Harold Landry's and Jonathan Jeffrey Simmons of the world, right? I mean, they're going to be expensive defensively right now, even though they just, you know, dumped out Kevin Byers 14 million next year. And, you know, they never really replaced Taylor Lamont, let's be honest. They did, didn't do the, the work they needed to do to shore up that offensive line. So I think in that regard, you're correct. But I think the Packers are one of the worst roster constructions we have right now in the NFL. And I think Matt LaFleur is going to pay for it. I really do. Uh, as one of the three or four coaches that go early on in season or after season. So if I'm Tennessee, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at that kind of dumpster fire of an offense that... They tried to bring in a brand new quarterback that was in the system that maybe had an aptitude issue and they just wanted to see if he could physically go out there and will himself into into victories and it's not even close. Jordan Love is literally declining week to week, uh, which is a concern I would have with Will Levis because I think out of the gate, we, we heard aptitude problems and he wasn't picking things up and he was slow in his response. And so, you know, he comes out and sort of a relief role yesterday and just kind of slings around. I think there are a lot of guys that can do that in this league. What happens when it gets to, you know, third and eight in the red zone and Will Levis has to be Will Levis. Um, I agree with you. We've got now 10 weeks or so to see that in my opinion, I don't think Tannehill finds the field again for this team, but if they, if they run this back in 2024, to me, they're going to look like the Packers do right now with some contracts. They wish they didn't have that. They wish they had traded, and with a quarterback that they know they have to get off of in the next six to 12 months. And that's easier said than done in a lot of cases because they're not going to be in the draft position they want to do that. So I'm with you. To me, though, you hit the nail on the head. And I hate doing this stuff. They're going to have to fire Mike Rabel first. That's going to be the first move they make. It's not even about this deadline. Because by, by the way, Daniel Hopkins is on a two-year contract. They can trade him in March. And they probably will trade him in March. Um, so they don't have to do anything right now in the next 24 hours. But I think they have to fire Mike Vrabel to, to actually do the thing that's the right thing to do. You know, And you and I have said this quite a bit. And that's not a slander on Vrabel. He's going to go find a great job tomorrow if that happens. Um, they just got to get that guy out of the way to properly rebuild this roster. And I do think that's where Tennessee belongs. Um, I mentioned the Packers. I think you agreed with what I said. Do you want to expand on that at all? Should the Packers be selling or should they be, are they so stuck that they should actually be reinforcing this roster to try to make Jordan love better in 2024? Because that's what they're going to do next year. He's got five and a half guaranteed. They can get out of it. You know, it's a team friendly contract. Let's just, let me just put that out there before you answer. <clears throat> there, I mean that there's certainly a world where Jordan Love is on the Packers next year, and mm -hmm. there's a different starter, correct? So I, I think I, I know I know what you're trying to get at with this. I I do think they're very similar situations. I think the Packers they're they're in the same situation. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know how they get out of it, quite honestly. I don't think the Packers should go for it by any means. I mean, they have mm -hmm. a number of questions, but I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is like the defense is good enough, but like I know there's some contractual issues there probably. I think there's pieces on the offense, but they're not really elite pieces to the point where they're going to make like a bad or marginally 
you know, good quarterback, excellent. Don't they feel like the Patriots a little bit, Dan, where you know the names, you know the guys all have talent from a weapon standpoint, but none of them seem to be hitting their ceilings at all. Right. And, and like Brock Purdy per se is not an elite. We don't know when he thinks he's an elite Mm -hmm. quarterback. And some of that is Kyle Shanahan offense scheme, et cetera. But the players around him are super talented and he just really has to manage that offense. Now the the Titans are not like that. I'm not comparing those two, but that's not real. Like the the Packers and the Titans just, you're not going to get any extra. You're not, your quarterback play is not going to get elevated at all based on the surrounding pieces, right? Where we typically want it reverse where the quarterback is elevating your, you know, the players around them. And we clearly know that in both spots, the Titans and the Packers, they're probably not the guys to do that. So um, let me let me put it this yeah. way to you before we move on to another team. The Packers right now have the number six pick. I know it's early, but you know it's it's factoring into trade deadline conversations, right? Where 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 are we there? Where where might we be able to get next next May? Things like that. If you're the Packers GM in 2024, what are you selecting number six overall right now? Because I think that answers how you feel about this roster. Uh, assuming the quarter, there's no like prime quarterback that would be there for them. Let's say Drake may still there. Let's say, or Sanders, let's say Sanders is the number three quarterback is still there. So there's an option. Well, I think if they're in position to grab a top guy, I think they would certainly um, consider that other directions. They might go. I mean, the offensive line has kind of been in shambles, right? And, Mm-hmm. Bakhtiari has not played most of the year. Who knows what's in the future? So, so that's my pick. I, yeah, I'm I replacing say- my left tackle at number six overall. Because right, so- no, no, now, no matter what happens, I've at least got something for the future. Right? I've got something in the trenches that I can rely on. Um, and to me, what that says that, that my brain is telling me is I don't think anybody on that roster is there to stick. And I'm, I'm, I'm rebuilding on the fly with some contracts that are signed. I'm probably trading Jair Alexander, right? How many great, great teams right now need a cornerback? I'm not saying at this deadline, there's plenty of term left on his contract, but that's probably a move I'm making in March is I'm, I'm starting to trade the important contracts that I have that I know won't be here in three years, right? And, you know, some of those guys will stick. Some of those guys won't. Aaron Jones is off this roster, right? probably one of those wide receivers goes even though they're cheap on rookie contracts because they can get them draft capital. So they're probably going to do what Tennessee should be doing. And I bet Tennessee doesn't do it for another year. It's the better way to put it. I think Tennessee is going to fall into green Bay's situation and green Bay is going to try to trade their way out of it in the next 12 months or so. So it's fascinating that those two really prominent teams right now who have been playoff in the playoffs consistently for a while are kind of stuck in the same mode. Um, I want to stay in the Packers division. You and I had mixed feelings about the Packers and about Minnesota coming into the season. And now Minnesota has a kind of clear picture of what the next 10 weeks are going to look like, even if they go and get Colt McCoy or I don't, I don't even know, Jacoby Brissett or something like that to sort of reinforce or be able to keep this thing together. Is Minnesota now just a fire sale team? Because their contracts that they're talking about selling are not easy. Right, Daniel Hunter, Harrison Smith, big, big time contracts. Maybe a couple of offensive linemen, Ezra Cleveland, things like that. But they could potentially move a half a dozen people in the next twenty four hours if they want to. Um, but here is the problem I have with it, Dan. I am pretty damn sure Kirk Cousins is coming back on like a three for one twenty in March. <laughs> okay, maybe even sooner. Um, you know, with plenty of injury protections built in now. And by the way, they'll probably have to draft or sign somebody else anyway, who may have to start week one for all we know because of these Achilles injuries. But I'm pretty sure Cousins is back on this team. So how much of this team should actually change if that's the plan, right? I mean, should they move on defensive players that are aging out anyway? Or should they kind of just run this thing back next year and hope the Packers are even worse and hope the Bears are even worse and probably give themselves... I mean, they're 500 and they were a hot mess to start this year, right? So how hard is it going to be to be 500 next year as long as Cousins is back in the fold? Yeah, right? I, yeah, it's... I mean, 
defensively, I think they could move on from expiring aging veterans. Um, like mm-hmm. the defense is okay, but I think that's more of a product of Brian Flores than, um, you know, specific personnel there outside of a few guys, obviously. But if the, I mean, I think they can, like you just kind of laid out, they can kind of return the offense if they have a Je- Justin Jefferson extension in play uh, in the plans. Um, yeah, I think the offense you could keep together and kind of go for in a really uncertain division. I mean, I know the Di- the Lions look really good, but they're going to have mm-hmm. a Jared Goff contract situation to deal with here. But beyond that, the rest of the division is totally wide open. So I think there is a world where um, they just move on from some pieces defensively and try and kind of ride out the storm until they can uh, get some health back next year. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's right. I think maybe the two names I mentioned are are the ones that go, but if they went and bought a piece for their offensive line right now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blink an eye. I wouldn't blink an eye a, because they're going to have a terrible quarterback for the next 10 weeks. So they might as well reinforce that anyway, but also because I do think they're planning to run a lot of this back next year. And rightfully so. I don't, I don't think the team we saw the first four or five weeks of the season is the actual Vikings roster. Now you can tell me they're, they got out coached. You can tell me there are, are some flaws. I actually think one of their biggest flaws is that they've had aging defensive players who they might move on from. So I, I think this may be a, a, a bigger fix than we're, in, we're talking about here for 2024. But that's a, that's a fascinating one because generally you see star quarterback get injured heading towards free agency and it's the sky is falling conversation. And I'm sure there's plenty of outlets having that discussion right now about Kirk Cousins. I don't think this even moves the needle an inch. Right, it it barely moved the needle for Jimmy Garoppolo for Christ's sakes, right? Who is a third of a quarterback that Kirk Cousins is? Let's be honest. Um, and it didn't move the needle an inch for Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins might as well be brothers, right? Twin brothers at this point in this league. They are literally their their careers have been literally hand for hand, side by side. So if, if Dak was able to get forty million a year, hundred twenty million guaranteed, I'm telling you right now, that's probably what Kirk Cousins is getting at age thirty five to return to Minnesota or to join Tennessee or to join Tampa Bay, whatever we're going to talk about here. Um, but I don't think the injury moves the needle an inch for him from a financial standpoint. Let's put it out that way. You hit on, hit on something and I was actually going to open the show with it. So we'll do it now. It'd be kind of like a mid mid show tease. We're having a lot of discussions about teams that are stuck and generally there are one or two. I feel like there's eight truly like eight teams that are just like Tampa Bay is one of them. Who the hell are Tampa Bay, right? Are they going to actually try for the next 10 weeks or, or does it even matter, right? They could rip off. They could literally rip off the bandaid of 12 contracts after this year and go all the way down and throw Kyle Trask out there for one season and be an absolute mess for 2024. They could also sign Baker to like a three-year extension one, you know, a Daniel Jones type contract. That's basically one year guaranteed. And bring a lot of these pieces back. They've got some secondary pieces that teams would die for right now. That's a stuck team. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a Packers like team right now. That's got a couple more wins. There are so many of these teams out there. Our, our front office is kind of reeling a little bit here, Dan is the, is the money going to quarterbacks? And I'm, I'm not even talking about teams that have $50 million contract quarterbacks yet, but everybody kind of knows how this, where this league is going and it's intimidating. There's no question. It's crazy intimidating. And I feel like basketball went through this for a while when LeBron and all these players, really a dozen or so players started going 30, 40, 50 million a year every year for a decade. And now it's up to almost 52 right now, $65 million per year contracts on the books in the NBA. We know where this is headed. You know, two is going to get close to 60 million a year. Trevor Lawrence is going to get close to 60 million a year. And the beat goes on from there. Our front office is having a moment right now, like a crisis moment where they really don't know how to handle that. And I'm not talking salary cap, right? I'm talking the owner has to go above and beyond to put that contract together and put a ton of money into escrow. So are they being told basically, look, you're not going to be able to do six or seven of these other contracts. So you've got to get extremely creative about how you handle positions that were never a problem before, but are going to be a problem now. I feel like maybe the the payment process is much, 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 much stricter, not because of salary cap. Again, we can flex that out as needed for the rest of our lives, right? Because the, the streaming money is never going away at this point. But 
cash alone, I, I do feel like this quarterback stuff is the huge elephant in those front offices room offices rooms. And it is starting to trickle down to the point of where teams really don't know how to put together a proper roster because I, I'm not sure there's a proper roster, maybe outside of Philly, who I do think are pretty damn loaded um, and a healthy San Francisco is pretty close, but there's a lot of flawed rosters out there, you know, especially even the good ones that are heading towards probably a championship game in the next couple of months. Do you think that I'm reading this correctly? Do you think we're just in a funk because this is always a cyclical league or do you think that, the quarterback play itself is just torpedoing half of this league because it's been bad. And there's a lot of numbers to back it up. What are, what are your thoughts with this? Why, why are there so many stuck organizations right now, Dan? <clears throat> I think the quarter, the quarterback money has to have something to do with it, right? We've been kind of foreshadowing this for years yeah. that it's not even against, it's not against the specific quarterbacks. A lot of these guys are worth that money specifically to their franchise and a one-year value. It's that working around that and other constructing your roster around $40 million, mm-hmm. you know, when the percentage of your cap is so tied up into one quarterback um, who could get injured and then, your how many backups are starting in the league right now. And then that just drags the the quality of everything down. If you're spending all the money on your quarterback position, so you're spending less on ants on secondary positions. And then that quarterback gets eliminated, eliminated from the fold. Everything gets dragged down by that. So I think that has to be a part of it. And again, I'm not really sure how we circumvent that. You, you would be way more equipped to speak on that, but, um, I mean, yeah. like when, like the Jared Goff contract this year, like is going to, it's, it's going to surprise some people and well, Easily. Kirk Cousins, and Kirk, Kirk Cousins has this rap of being the worst because he's bad in prime time and has never won a Super Bowl, which is really hard yeah. to do by the way. Um, so like when he gets paid though, people again are going to groan and say, is he worth that? He's so we're just, it, the, the 1% is the quarterbacks in this league. And that has the divide between the 1% and the 99% in this league is just the gap has grown so wide that I think it's finally trickling down to other things. Now, again, again, for the third time, I don't know how to get around that though. So yeah, I I guess guess I'm not helpful. It's not something that I really want to focus on too much because so many people, when they have this discussion, just think about salary cap and you know, how much Daniel Jones accounts for the giant. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like if, if, if Daniel, if they were comfortable with Daniel Jones, they would have front loaded this contract, restructured it a couple of times already to push the cap down and actually built a good team around him. They didn't do that. Okay. They didn't do that. They tried to build a, a mini Buffalo Bills roster in, in New York and failed miserably. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. They failed miserably. And, uh, and he doesn't know, Brian Dable doesn't know how to coach his way out of that right now. So again, stuck, stuck. They thought, Plan A was the only plan, and there's no there's no retread, right? You hit on another thing real quick, man. We'll do this a couple more teams, then get out of here. I I made note of this. I don't know if it was June or July, basically after the free agency period, and then after the draft, when I really started to dive into these 2023 rosters, I couldn't believe how many teams were basically just saying, "It doesn't even matter who our backup quarterback is." All right, we're not going to spend more than four million. We're not doing it. We're just going to say we're going to allocate that money to an extra swing tackle or an extra defensive lineman or somebody in the secondary, and that's going to be the roster spot and the money and the cap that we use. And maybe that is the right approach. To your point, I think you said it sort of like this, right? The second that the the starter topples, is the whole thing just done anyway, right? I mean, is is the Viking season completely over now? Because the they did Right. But well, the Jets are four and three. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean? After we at when that injury came through, like, yeah, it was it was panic mode. But keep continue with the point. Sorry. I just, you, know, you know what I'm saying? We're here in yeah. Buffalo, Dan, here in Buffalo. Right. Kyle Allen starts throwing a couple of warm up passes last week. Literally the entire you could hear the entire city deflate. All right. It literally deflated because there's just no chance for the next 11 weeks if he's the quarterback. Our te- is that the team's mindset that the QB one is so much better than any QB two we can find right now that it is not even worth allocating real resources to finding a legitimate backup quarterback 
And then I'll, I'll throw this twist to it because I think that's probably what's happening. Why then every week eight are we sitting here looking at more than half of the league dealing with a backup quarterback? It's every freaking season. All right. I have this, it's like freaking Groundhog's Day. I have this conversation with friends that the NFL is terrible this time of year because everybody that matters gets hurt this time of year. It happened yesterday in droves, right? If that keeps happening in this league, why isn't somebody actually paying good money to have two good quarterbacks? Why? Well, you will probably counteract this point immediately, but again, isn't it the quarterback money? Because when you look at, when you look at these, let, let's just kind of run through who we think are the best quote backup quarterbacks in the yeah. league immediately comes to mind, probably Taylor Heineke in Atlanta. Heineke. Yeah. Sam on a rookie, but, but Ritter's on a rookie rookie contract, right? Um, Jacoby Brissett in Washington, Sam yeah. Howell rookie contract. Um, Darnold and, and, versus Purdy. Same thing. Exactly. Um, so you, you kind of get where I'm going with this, where, when, you know, the Browns have $40 million tied up in, in, uh, in Deshaun Watson, you see PJ Walker and, you know, uh, I, I can't even say the, the guy, the other Dorian guy. Dorian Thompson, Ro- Robinson Thompson. Yes. Come on, Dan, let's yeah. go get your quarterback Sorry. shit together. Listen, you're not wrong. Every single number that I have in spot track says you're right. That when the quarter, when the QB one gets a contract, the QB two and the QB three get minimum deals. It, that's just the way they do business. I'm questioning why. Why, why, why would you do if the quarterback is now, I think, undeniably the most important position in American sports? Okay, undeniably, if it's that important and, and you, your season conti- absolutely rides or dies on that position, why wouldn't you have two? Is it, is it simply because even if you paid Andy Dalton $10 million to back up Josh Allen in Buffalo? he wouldn't get enough reps to be good in the system. Is that what it is? You want to tell me that? I don't know. I feel like Andy Dalton could go out there with his experience set and they could construct an offense that he's worked on in the past, right? In Cincinnati. And they could just make it work. Are we, are we that uncoachable in this league? I don't think so. This is the soapbox I want to be on with the show, Dan is so many of these teams that are stuck or so many of these expensive teams that are now going to find themselves stuck because of quarterback injuries. And Cleveland's definitely one of them. Just absolutely punted on their backup quarterback. In fact, the Browns traded their backup quarterback about an hour and a half before the season. Joshua Dobbs, who's a starter on a team who has an injured QB1, right, in Arizona. So there's no question, you're right, that that is the mindset, that if we have to go 40, 50 million plus on the QB1, the the QB two and the QB three are completely irrelevant to us because our season is just going to go as they go positively or negatively. I I think that's a mindset that has to change. I I really do. And I I want I want the Baker Mayfields of the world, by the way, to be well-paid backup quarterbacks. Baker's not a starter. All right. We've seen enough, enough footage at this point in time. He's not an 18 week starter, but he's a nine week closer, right? He's a reliever. He's a pretty good relief pitcher right now in this league. And I do think there's a there's a spot for that. And maybe more than ever, there's a spot for that. Now, you want to tell me that the, the teams are going to crunch it down and Baker can only make $2 million a year to do it? I, I don't know. Um, probably not. You know, there's enough starting opportunities for Baker to leverage himself into a good contract somewhere. But this whole everything stands on one person's arm mantra in a league that needs 70 people on a sideline every week and has what? 18 to 20% injury rate, right? <laughs> Over an 18 week season. I mean, those aren't stu- those are stupidly accurate numbers right now. What are we doing here? I get it. The owner's already miserable that Josh Allen makes 42 million a year and Justin Herbert makes 54 million a year. I get it. That's a that's an unbelievable amount of money to have to pay one player on on this size of this roster. But I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the Vikings win another game this year. That's how important the quarterback position is. And Alexander Madison's garbage and Cam Akers is probably the best weapon on this roster right now, not named Jordan Addison, you know, currently speaking. So I, it's a mess. But the roster construction has a lot to do with it. And I do think it ties into A, the big quarterback money at QB1 and the absolute mess that has become the backup quarterback role in this league. So I don't know. I, it's a tough sell. 
it's not my money. It's easy to spend other people's money. But that's that's my read now, halfway through this season, is that we have glorified this quarterback position so much, both with with words and with dollars, but we just let it hang out there this time of year when literally half of the starters are out. And we just sit back and say, well, what's going to happen now, right? Can $800,000 PJ Walker take us to the promised land? No, he can't. And he won't, right? right? And he certainly won't without Nick Chubb. So one more team. Um, I mentioned Tampa. I think we kind of know where things are going. I would be remiss if I didn't bring the Denver Broncos into this conversation. Um, A team I've talked about a lot and a team that it could be interpreted had a season-defining win yesterday, right? At the worst time ever. (laughs) Is this the worst time for them to have this win? 48 hours before the trade deadline when they should be absolutely ripping this roster apart in Sean Payton's favor? Now, Sean Payton is... The you know the type A personality that will still say great win guys, but you're go, you're off to Minnesota and you're off to Buffalo and right he'll still do it if he's allowed to do it. So that's my question: Are the Denver Broncos still allowed to rip this thing up in the next 24 hours, or does that win have to have to be a momentum piece for the rest of their season? It would be very short-sighted, in my opinion, if that is the perspective, right? I mean, we've seen enough. I mean, the writing has been on the wall up until this past week that things are going to get broken down, right? I mean, we've been hearing about wide receiver trade rumors for now two full seasons. Um, And there's a Judy offer out there. You know, there's there's an offer out there. It's not a first. It's probably a second. But you, you have to take that, Dan, right? I think a thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, the minute, the minute Sean Payton walked in the door, he basically said Russ's seat is very hot. And then throughout the year, he's like seen yelling and arguing with Russ and telling him he's got to act different, et cetera. Like this just has not went well for, for me to think that one divisional win at home versus the chiefs, I get it. It's the chiefs, but um, this is a shell of the, uh, the offenses we've seen, the powerhouse Chiefs offenses we've seen in previous years, mostly due to the, the wide receiver personnel, but I'm on a tangent at this point. Um, I just think they're going to have to look in the mirror at like Sean Payton, it seems, is destined to move on at quarterback there. They can get out of that after next year. I, I after won't next go year. into the number. I mean, after next year, not this year. Right. That, that's a big deal. <laughs> well, big deal. it is, but. Yeah, I guess you could talk on that more because I I am just falling into the media narrative on that one, I guess. No, no, no. That's the narrative I want. I want to know what what the football viewer wants to do with the Denver Broncos who have been the butt of everybody's joke for forever here, right? I mean, and by the way, they did give Jared Stidham five million guaranteed, a little bit more than that number I was talking about, right? They they did sort of put that guy there, knowing Russ might be a freaking hot mess again. So it's not like they didn't know this was coming. They they built a roster knowing something could go completely wrong. Is there a chance that Jerry Judy's trade partner is the Jets and that he is going to be reunited with Nathaniel Hackett here? <laughs> I mean, it's a conversation I'm not hearing a lot, but Aaron Rodgers is absolutely coming back, Dan. So if you're the if you're the Jets right now, you're not thinking about how weird this team looks with Zach Wilson. In my opinion, that you're not. In fact, you are you are handing that guy bonuses for just holding this ship together. Now the defense had a lot to do with it, but I guess that's my point. This team might be like seventy five percent really good, and I think we knew that going into the season. So if seventy five percent Aaron Rodgers comes back, and you give him Garrett Wilson and and maybe a Jerry Judy type player for this and next season, remember it's a year and a half on the books for Judy. It'd be hysterical if he had to deal with Hackett again, because that obviously didn't work. But, <laughs> you know, Hackett and Rodgers is a very different situation, I think. I just think that's that's a very possible situation right now. And and to me, that's the trade that has to happen. Do you, do you think that Denver continues, though? Like, is Patrick Sertan really in this conversation, right? Is, there, is the safety in, in this conversation? Simmons, do they go that far and start really moving on. Garrett Bowles is an expiring that probably could move on here. Or do you think that it's probably Judy because of all the mess and that's it? I certainly think maybe it's, it's probably my baseball mindset creeping in, but 
Yeah. I think they could certainly move on from a number of guys there. I think Judy almost has to go. Like it, it's just this was the year. If it was gonna things were gonna turn around in Denver, this would have been the year. So I think yeah. that he almost certainly has to go. If the price falls enough, then maybe the Jets. May, that's a really interesting concept. I speculate that he just got on the the, the Chiefs bus and rode back with them yesterday. Yeah, and yeah. Was no, about that it. is definitely the team. Yeah. That's yeah, but I mean, they can't, they just can't keep running out. I mean, Rasheed Rice is a nice young wide receiver, yeah. but they just cannot keep running that, that out in my opinion, but another tangent, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they could certainly move on Patrick Sertan, Garrett, Sertan, Garrett Bowles, et cetera. It may, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, They're the number I, eight pick I, right now. They're the and, number and eight the, pick. So if, if they, I, if they do this the right way, they're a top five pick, you know, and that's and, important. It's important. And let's not forget. GM Sean Payton is going to want to make his stamp on this team at some yeah. point, right? Like he's not just going to keep, uh, you know, plugging holes that were left from the previous regime with contracts and us and et cetera, et cetera. So Taysom Hill probably moved off his contract in New Orleans after this year, right? That's a, <laughs> if we could bet that at FanDuel right now, Dan, I'd bet it that Taysom Hill is a Denver Bronco in 2024, but I think you're right. I think Payton alone, who is such a a big figure right now in that organization for, with all the decision making isn't going to look at, last, at yesterday's win and say, "Well, now what?" He knows exactly what's this what the situation is, and he's going to try to get some draft capital for it. Um, is that is there? Am I missing anybody gigantic right now? I mean, we can we can have a talk about the Rams at some point later. Vegas after tonight, I'm sure, is going to be in the tank and on the way down. Um, but again, we could have had a four hour discussion on teams roster construction to start the year and now how things could end up mid season to end of season because a of injuries or B of just, just weird play. I just feel like there's a lot of weird rosters out there and you mentioned it. A lot of it has to do with backup quarterbacks playing positions. They shouldn't be playing right now, but I I just, there's a lot of untenable situations that could draw, could make this a great trade deadline, but we know better. It's always underwhelming, you know. If Judy's the biggest player to move, I wouldn't be surprised. I, can you take a minute and just explain to me mm. who is not as in tune with this? Is Devontae Adams even tradable? From a fantasy no. circle perspective, I keep hearing, could he get traded? Could he get traded? As far as I'm concerned, everything I've heard you say has indicated no. On yeah. SpotTrack.com, we're showing his potential out is following next year, which typically um, – if I'm not mistaken, signals also that that's sort of like where he could get traded because of yeah. that. Um, so, like, is that even possible? Because I keep hearing it and I just do not believe it from a contractual standpoint. <clears throat> I'm not going to say it's impossible because they would save a million and a half next year on the cap to trade him right now or after this season. Um, I don't know. I, I I guess after tonight, things could look a lot differently. Uh, Garoppolo's back in the fold, so maybe maybe there's a a world where they absolutely implode tonight with essentially their starting lineup, and then everybody moves on from there. I, if Adams demands a trade, he's tradable. The contract is tradable. Now they restructured and things like that, so there's there's a lot to it. But well, all of 2024 that- is fully guaranteed, so it's it, it is a year and a half contract of full guarantees. At right around, let's say eleven plus twenty, it's basically one and a half years at twenty-eight million dollars. So, you know, it's Devonte Adams, and he still looks like Devonte Adams most weeks on a pretty defunct offense. So, the contract says it it probably is unlikely, but it's possible. Let me put it that way. So, I, I guess let's like take rewind this a little bit further too. If yeah, he's being traded. A contender is trading for him, and realistically, how many contenders have the space to get him on the roster this year i'm not arguing about is he worth it this year plus next year total money all in Mm. who can even add him to their payroll this year who would be willing to trade for him is what is kind of what i'm saying like maybe you're looking at a forward thinking approach next year we'll bring him in now at a cheaper rate but i like the chiefs aren't you know they can't fit him in and other other wide receiver needy teams i feel like are up against the cap too right so He's actually about a three point seven five million dollar cap hit to be traded right now. Okay. Um, so again, it's doable for seventy five percent of the league and and more with you know cap conversions and things like that. Um, 
I suppose we have to mention the Jets, right? If I just threw Judy into this conversation, we certainly have to throw him in this conversation. I just don't know if we can get to that point. It would be such a... Pride's not the word I'm thinking of, but you know what I'm saying. Like Devontae Adams was like the capstone to this entire process, right? The Max Crosby contract, you know, Garoppolo to some degree was a version of that. But I mean, getting Devontae Adams for what they gave up and then what they signed him to, that was like the big move that this organization made over the past 24 months to give up on it this quickly, even if you could get, I don't know, a one, two, three back, a, a McCaffrey type type trade compensation back, which is fair. I'm not sure that that front office is ready to do it. Don't you think they have to fire people before they make that kind of trade? Like, like that's, that's what I see. I see McDaniels getting fired in the office, you know, December 30, whatever, January 2nd, and then a slow drip to February when, the Adams trade rumors are absolutely maximized and we get to that point. But the trade in the next 24 hours would be a, a, a an admission that of where they're going to be in six months. Let's put it that way. And I'm not sure they're ready to do that. That's all I'm saying. I, I tend to agree with that. I, I like That's why I think so many things, it's such a uphill yeah. climb for him to get traded. But I, I guess you laying out the contractual thing is what I was looking for, that it's really not as much money. Most of that money is uh, on the front half of the season, I guess. So Yeah, they, they kept a nice small base salary in 2024, maybe, or in 2023, maybe because they anticipated something like this might happen and they wanted to make it a tradable contract. But um, look, it'd be a $25 million dead cap hit next year for them. So again, right. a big admission that something went wrong pretty damn quickly in Vegas. And right. it I'm, would not, probably I'm not saying it hasn't. It did. It has gone wrong. Right. It, you're right, though. It would be a foreshadowing um, move on yeah. from this contract, probably new regime next year. We're going to kind of totally rebuild, uh, you know, especially after Caleb Williams um, came out saying that they're one of the um, organizations that he would play for theoretically. So, can we stop? I'm oh my so god, this kid! I, I'm, I already dislike this kid. Now he hasn't. Even, he's not even here yet. My goodness, <laughs> the biggest web fantasy weapon that gets moved tomorrow, Dan. I know that's your world. The most important I, fantasy player to move, and, and let's just say Henry's out. Ah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sorry. I think Derrick Henry is um, is the guy. Um, beyond that, I'm like, I don't really, I'm like trying to come up with somebody off the top of my head. I'm mostly interested in this deadline for um, more like uh, value, like, condi- like conditional, <laughs> um, conditional opportunity, if you will. Like, can I can I throw you a few names? Because yeah, I'm go going, on, I'm going on a trade deadline show after this, so I kind of want to prepare myself anyway. Do we think that Najee Harris gets moved? Is he just a bust? That's an interest. That's interesting. Um, Why wouldn't they want to give Jalen Warren the keys right now and well, just see def- what they have? They definitely should, but um, there's yeah. probably some lingering draft capital stuff there, even though it's probably getting to the point where it doesn't matter anymore. Um, He's definitely not like who people thought he was entering the league. Um, His profile is definitely not quite what, what (laughs) they, they assumed. So I think that is actually an interesting name. I don't know what the Steelers think of themselves right now, but they should definitely like from a talent, perspective mm-hmm. they should definitely want to get the ball in Jalen Warren's hands a little bit more than they are. So um does Ramondre Stevenson get moved? I would be surprised. Okay. Yeah, one more year left. He, they, they generally let, let the contracts run out there in New England without moving them. If you're telling me the Raiders are out, should Jacobs get moved? I that is a sneaky candidate that I, I, I actually agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because of what had happened and it's not went well. I mean, we, I, I, you asked me point blank earlier in the year, am I in on, on, um, Jacobs after he got signed? I just didn't want to do it because last year scared me, even though it was an excellent season, we've never really seen it from him. Um, I think like how things have went with the contract situation plus now, um, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the production, the performance, 
I think he probably is ready to move on. Um, if they can get something, anything from him, and there's some really uh, running back needy teams, maybe whoever misses out on Derrick Henry kind of comes, you know, calling for Josh Jacobs. I think that is definitely. Um, I, I was just about to put him there. Is that the move Baltimore makes here, Dan? Because Baltimore was was the one inquiring heavily about Henry's, and Tennessee has said no. But does, is Josh Jacobs the backup plan to that? I think it could be. Yeah, I think it's certainly interesting for sure. Okay. You, Names you to believe... watch too. Go ahead. Oh, I was yeah. just going to say, so Please. kind of like um, what I was alluding to earlier, like the conditional value, if you will. Um, like Zamir White is a name that like yeah. he was a pretty heralded prospect coming out last year, um, but was stuck behind Josh Jacobs last year. Um, this year, he hasn't really gotten an opportunity again because of Josh Jacobs. But if Josh Jacobs does get traded, I think Zamir White is really interesting from like a fantasy perspective for um, like deeper leagues. Also, uh, the Henry thing, Tajay Spears has looked really good in recent yeah. weeks. He's been kind of getting more um, of the overall, sh- you know, touch share, if you will. So I think he's really interesting if Henry moves on. So I would make sure that those guys are picked up um I like that quite a bit. I like that quite a bit. Um, I thought Kendrick Bourne was going to be one of the better pieces to move, but he got injured yesterday. So that probably puts a kibosh on that. I still think the Patriots sell some pieces, maybe a Hunter Henry, maybe a Kyle Duggar, some pieces like that. Um, They should be active. They never are. They never admit admit that their season stinks at this time of year because they've never had to really before. But I I do think this is the year for them to do that. Um, I don't know. There's some other pieces out there that could potentially move on. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be the Hopkins Henry package by any regard. It sure sounds like Saquon Barkley's there to stay. Could, could, could we talk ourselves into Aaron Jones moving? Maybe, maybe. Is he, is he even a wanted option right now? Is that, is that a, is that too negative? (laughs) Well, I think so. I mean, I would again, leave it to you to, if the contract is movable, but from a talent perspective, I think he, definitely has there would definitely be interest there yeah all right and then last one for me is i think darnell mooney moves off the bears the bears mm. know who they are it's an expiring contract um they need to build out those trenches before they have any sort of wide receiver running back conversation again they screwed they've screwed this up the last couple of seasons so i think you get you get your uh fifth round pick from mooney and his expiring contract and go from there but um i don't know it, it always underwhelms us it's nice to throw these names out there but we'll see it's a like I said, there's a lot more teams in the middle that I'm used to having to deal with. Um, we don't have a lot of bad, bad and a lot of good, good. So maybe that means uh, there's more interest and more talking and teams like Washington who are actually like on the fringe sell three huge pieces tomorrow. It's very, very possible. They're active as hell right now. So maybe that'll be a, a you know the, the engine that starts the rest of the train and we actually have something to talk about on Thursday on this show. Speaking of which... I'll have you back probably soon here, maybe within the week, um, depending on how this World Series goes. We've done trade candidates. We've done non-tender candidates. We've done option decisions. We've got some projected tax payrolls for 2024 to talk about. We are, we're ready for baseball to hit the offseason officially, but we're going to let this World Series percolate a little bit, and then we'll get to it. Um, I haven't even had you on to talk about this, though. It's 1-1 in the world series, which kicks up back off tonight. What's your uh, prediction here? (laughs) I don't (laughs) know. No, I'm just kidding. What a starting Um, pitcher mess. This is my, yeah, that's, that's why I want to say Arizona. I mean, I like both teams. I'm, I'm a little bit bitter on Texas, as anyone knows. Mike and I were uh, pretty in on Texas to begin the year. We made wagers on Texas to begin the year. The bulk of that wagering happened on the division race, which they won. They lost on the final day in a tiebreaker, um, which was just soul crushing to me. So for them to be in this spot, um, I, I it's Texas for me because of that. I was in on them all season. I'm a yeah. little bit bitter about how things have played out here, but um, that was a team, Chris Young. I was uh, super impressed with uh, the offseason moves and the deadline moves. Um, Arizona, super young and exciting team, but the starting pitching, I, I don't know. Arizona, Arizona has just like defied all odds. To, like, yeah. like they have a good one, like a good one plus like 
a good two, three, but no pitching beyond that. We've seen them play bullpen games. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of, and, and even the bullpen is like not some like superstar elite bullpen by any stretch of the means. They've just kind of pieced it together perfectly here. So um, I, I, my heart says Texas. I'm really, uh, I've had a lot of fun watching this so, so far. And, uh, Four like, games to two. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I could certainly see it going seven, but I think okay. it goes. I think it goes six. So yeah, all right, I'm with you, Texas and six, and uh, that's probably one of the favorite bets out there. It's nothing you can get any value on, I'm sure. But um, Arizona, these Arizona teams aren't supposed to win, right? I mean, they're they're not supposed to win the World Series. They're supposed to be ramping up to that point, right? And they're supposed to have a huge off season where they spend a lot of money, and then they get to that 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 situation. But um, I guess the contract brain in me is kind of rooting for Texas because they kind of did things the right way. If Arizona wins with all of these rookies and pre-art players, Dan, it's It's a copycat world. You know how this works. There's going to be a lot of really expensive teams that try to do this because now Tampa Bay has successfully gotten there, but you know, not to the finish line. And now Arizona gets there and gets to the finish line. It's dangerous waters to think that, more veterans may not get contracts because of Arizona doing this right now. That's sort of the the nerdy approach that I've take I'm taking to this. Even though I love that team, I think they're they're quietly arrogant. They're super physical. They're super athletic. They don't just look for the home run ball. That you know, that's my style of play. So I'm rooting for them from that standpoint. But it's dangerous waters for you know seven year vets looking for ten million dollar contracts right now. Yeah, for sure. Two polar opposites, Texas, Arizona, how they've yeah. kind of built went about this. Um, so I, I know what you mean, copycat league. I am a little yeah. skeptical that anyone should really be taking anything massive. Like we've seen teams try to build like Texas in the past and massively fail. Um, yeah. Both, both in terms of off season free agent contracts given out and deadline acquisitions where um, like the prospect capital they get, they gave up to get the guys they got in was pretty substantial. So yeah. um, this could have backfired in a big way if they, if they, you know, had right. an early and, back on, and back in Arizona, the, the reason more teams haven't done it to this point is it takes forever. You have to be bad for like almost a decade to acquire the draft capital and draft and draft picks that they have right now on their roster. It takes, it takes a lot of bad seasons, right. To get to this point. And, you know, teams like the Yankees are never going to do that. Never, 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 never. Um, so, but you know, if half the league tries to do this, baseball is going to be boring as hell. Let's be perfectly honest about that. So I'm just rooting for a good story. Let's put it that way. But Texas and uh, Texas six. All right, man. Good stuff. Thank you. Thanks Mike. See you.